Stop worrying. Help is on the way. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Help. Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And welcome to the finale of our Swinging Stixie Spy Summer. All this summer, we have been breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional spy movies and TV shows made or set during the golden age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascot, because it's time to get groovy. Yeah, so when there's no new episode next week, don't panic. It's just uh, (laughs) going back to the way things normally are, which is one full episode every two weeks, with a possible micro dot in between. (laughs) Yes. So if you've been enjoying our Swinging 60s Spy Summer music, actually today we have on the creator of that music, my good friend Jer. Hi, thank you for having me. Jer is not only a great musician, he's also a fan of the Beatles. And so for help, we figured someone who maybe has a bit more musical knowledge than me or Zach would be good to have. (laughs) Yes, and I was the one who suggested that we do help for our finale because I vaguely remembered that it was similar to James Bond movies. I did not remember how extremely racist it was. So I apologize to Uh, the universe for that. Yes. Before we get into the movie, let's just sort of talk about our backgrounds with the Beatles. Uh, Jer, do you want to go first? Um, My background with the Beatles, I guess I I discovered the Beatles um, when I was about 12 years old on a family vacation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. when, When I actually managed to procure a cassette um, Walkman, which was like the height of technology at the time. A cassette? What's that? (laughs) Along with it, I I got the Beatles uh, album, The Beatles Ballads, which was basically a compilation of some of the more sort of sentimental and maudlin Beatles songs from Uh And so that was my introduction. And and of course, it exploded from there. (laughs) I do like the Beatles. Okay. I went through a large Beatles phase when I was a kid, which I think a lot of people do. I remember that we owned the red Beatles anthology CD mm-hmm. and the blue Beatles anthology CD. The red was like the boy band era and the blue was like <laughs> the drugged up era. Mm-hmm. And I did watch all of the Beatles movies, including Magical Mystery Tour and Yellow Submarine and Help, but I think I only watched it the once, which is why I have like vague memories of it. So although I don't go and seek out the Beatles to go and listen to or, or watch or consume on a regular basis, I still have always kind of liked them. And for me, I mean, I'm a bit of an Anglophile in general. So of course, Beatles falls into that. And I'm also a fan of the 60s periods. Of course, Beatles also falls into that. I don't know that I have a pinpoint of when I first like heard, heard the Beatles. I've listened to most of their discography, I think, um, except for some of the songs in here, which I was like, oh, I don't think I've heard some of these B-sides before. Like In Vegas, uh, they have their, uh, B- I think it's called Beatles Love. It's a Cirque du Soleil Beatles sh- show. And it's very interesting. It, it like goes into, like I don't know, like most, most Cirque du Soleil shows, there is a story, but it's never really explicitly said. So it's, you have to sort of infer stuff, but it goes through like all the different periods and they use a lot of their different music with remixes of stuff and it's really cool and also really psychedelic like i think (laughs) it gets really trippy towards the end but it's it's really interesting yeah when a lot of people think of the beatles they think of the 60s flowers Mm -hmm. colors like beatles rock band for example a lot of that in the background and there was none of that in this movie i guess that all came later i I think help actually kind of marked a transition from the early and um, period Beatles of the sort of 50s, American 50s music influence kind of love songs mm-hmm. to that period of, of sort of, you know, I mean, rapid succession after help, you had Rubber Soul, Revolver, and then Sgt. Peppers, you know, and so mm-hmm. those, they were starting to experiment a little bit and they were, it was kind of a transition phase for them. And see, this is why we have you on here, because we don't know this sort of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I know a little bit, and I will share what I know Uh, by fact versus fiction at the end. Okay, so let's get into the movie. Zach, do you have the IMDb synopsis? Yes, I do. It goes like this. Sir Ringo Starr finds himself the human sacrifice target of a cult, and his fellow members of the Beatles must try to protect him from it. That's pretty simple. So we start off with the temple, 
and they're going to make that sacrifice, like we said. And it's feeling very like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. No, no, no. This makes Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom look like a workplace sensitivity video. <laughs> Fair and enough. as soon as this movie started, I knew I had made a mistake because <laughs> it's in this temple and it's Indian cult and they're all white actors with like yeah. brown face on and they do accents. They do, yeah. they do like the fake accent. On the movies we've covered in the past, especially the ones in the 60s, there's been racism, but it's like a band-aid. Like it hurts, but it's, it's like up and it's over and it's done and you can move on. But this movie, it's just the entire time. It never ends. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can add much to that. The, it's just uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Also, I have an observation that the lead guy, lead antagonist, Cold mm-hmm. Leader, looks like Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, so his name is Clang. Meet him. We meet Ame, who, and so she's the one who noticed that the sacrifice isn't wearing the sacred ring, and mm-hmm. so they have to stop it. And then we go to the song "Help," and there's so there's a lot of musical interludes throughout the whole movie. Which yeah. are basically like music videos for, for the Beatles songs. That's right. And this one is probably the worst one because it's just okay. them playing. Mm. It's, it's just them playing in black and white. Though the darts yeah. that come at the screen is pretty funny. Yeah, I like that. I, as, soon as, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, that's a transition. And we find out that for some reason, the cultists are watching the Beatles like on a projection screen. I did like that while they were watching, the girl who was supposed to be sacrificed is like watching the video like, wow, they're so (laughs) great. I love the Beatles. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so she's painted red. And apparently, so to be sacrificed, they sacrifice. And we find out a bit more about this later, but they sacrifice someone. Is it every day? No, I don't think it's every day. Well, every time, whenever they sacrifice someone, Mm -hmm. they have to paint them red and they have to be wearing the special ring. Yes, which is on Ringo's finger. I don't know if we mentioned that. That's the plot. Yeah. (laughs) That's the whole movie right here. They need to get the ring. Yeah, so Clang, the lead priest, is making arrangements to find the ring. I don't know how they know that Ringo has it. Did we we find that out? They're a cult. They just have their ways. Okay. I'm not worried about it. And I noticed Ame has a BOAC ticket, which I don't actually know what that means. I know it from the song Back to the USSR. Wait, I, I don't know. It's like, oh, do uh, something, something, UAC? Yeah. Yeah, it's a British Overseas Airways Corporation. <laughs> Airways. Okay, okay. See, I saw BOAC. I was like, okay, I know that from the, the song. I didn't know exactly what that meant, so thank you. It's All also right. a way more confusing name than British Airways. Like, that sounds like <laughs> something that moves freight around, not an airline. <laughs> All right, so then we go to a British street. And the Beatles get out of one of the cars, and they all go into separate doors to mm-hmm. go into the same house. <laughs> so this is one of the things I remembered from my childhood watching this movie. That yeah. I was like, oh, it's so cute. They all live together. It's not even separate rooms. It's like one giant room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a studio apartment. And John Lennon has a pit bed. And I also remembered the pit bed. Which reminded me of Casino Royale, the yes. 67 version, where there's a ju- like they have, I think, something similar. <laughs> So I asked the universe, because I didn't look this up, are yeah. pit beds a thing in the 60s? Is that just Maybe. something people did? <laughs> I or feel is- like there's another movie we covered that had a pit bed. I, what was it? In like Flint? I only remember Casino Royale. Yeah, there's a lot of sight gags here. There's like a gardener who uses two little um, Joker, like the things from oh, that's Batman, right. to, to ha- cut like a piece of lawn that's in the house for some reason. <laughs> And then they have what looks like restaurants where you'd have a microwave. Like, it makes it, everything was microwaved. Oh, an automat. Automat, yes, thank you. So it looked like they had, like, a from an automat where you would have all the different foods. Oh, was that what he was playing with yeah, in that one part? that's what it oh, looked I like. I don't me. think I realized that. <laughs> Ringo's putting his hand in trying to get food, and then she's, like, bites or is trying to grab onto his finger. And that's, like, the first attempt to try to gr- get the ring. Oh, but it won't be the last. And I also, <laughs> in this part... Somebody is like shitting on Ringo. They're like, Ringo, quit screwing around. I liked, I wanted to hear what the Beatles said, but they talk so quickly and quietly. And their accents. Hard, and the accents don't help. It's often hard to understand what they're saying. Yeah. Which was disappointing because I wanted to like hang out with them. And so we cut to nighttime and then there's this glowing light that's going over all the different beds. And they're all like, yeah, like you said, um, was it John who had the... Um, pit bed, yes. Pit bed. Yes, Everyone right. else has more of a normal bed, and so they're going all over the different beds. 
finds Ringo's bed. What what do you call these things? Extender grabber thing? I don't know. Would you use as a kid the toy with the claw on the eye? Yeah, or what old people use to pick up their sodas. So this was kind of like James Bond, right? <laughs> A little yeah. bit. Are you trying to justify your choice here? Yes, I am. And I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> I was amused by the antics of it. So I, I didn't feel, I don't think we need to justify it. We've already made our choice here. So we can we're already it. committed. Yeah. So yeah, the extender hand goes for like the head of the bed is pulling the covers down and finds Ringo's feet instead of his head. This is the first example of kind of absurdist humor. I feel like this movie is ahead of its time. Apparently it's based on this show called The Goon Show, but it reminded me a lot of Airplane mm-hmm. and Top Secret and all those other really ridiculous Zucker kind of movies. And there'll be other examples of that later that I'm sure we'll get to. She pulls off the finds Ringo's head there, sees his hand, tries to grab the ring off, but the ring seems to be stuck. She pulls so hard that he she pulls him off the bed, and and then they all wake up. So in this part is it, if the music isn't James Bond music, it sure sounds a heck of a lot like it. So it is very James Bond inspired. The first time I knew that there was a connection between Help and James Bond was when I I think I was in like a it was either a Gap or Banana Republic. You know they always have just whatever music on, and all of a sudden I hear something that sounds very familiar sounds super similar to the james bond theme and then it goes into help i was like wait what so i like look up on my phone apparently in the north american releases of the vinyls the help song is preceded by this little snippet wait really yeah i don't think i've ever picked up on that the u.s version of the album um was different from the british version in in that sense that they included um a lot of the soundtrack material the british version was just pure beatles songs Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, certainly Beatle fandom, you know, thought that the Capitol Records sort of made a, a hames of the release in the, in the U.S. by including that, that soundtrack. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're, it's, it's, it's definitely very reminiscent of, of, of Bond-type music, these sort of orchestral swells mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, very stabbing, sort of loud orchestral music. So which version has become, like, immortalized? I guess it would um, be... The one without it. One. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that explains it, that. That's just why, like, yeah, before that random time, I had never heard that before. So, and actually, when, when they had their music video, like, I was expecting to hear that. So I was like, oh, did they not even use that in the movie? And then it came on later. Speaking of the music video, I wanted to mention this, but yeah. do you guys feel a little melancholy when you saw the Beatles playing for the first time in this movie? No? Like, maybe knowing too much, but it's like, oh, they're so young and innocent, and oh. there's so much ahead of them. John mm. Lennon was doomed mm. to a violent end. I didn't think about that maybe i was just in a dark mood at the time i think i get more just caught caught up in the emotion of oh seeing them play and yes i think it was a oh they're so young and look they look so happy and i think it was that more of the mm. euphoric sensation for me clang is on the street and he like comes up to paul and tries to offer him some gold for for the ring but then amit comes by and tells him you got the wrong beetle and he does this like three different times they all look the same with their haircuts which is so true because especially on the quality of the you know recording we watch i was like sometimes i couldn't tell which one was which especially between like like i could tell ringo stood out and paul mm-hmm. would stand out between george and john though sometimes i couldn't tell them apart I think people would say that at the time as well. So then we have just a, a where they fast forward through five more attempts to steal the ring. Yeah. I don't know if we want to go through all of I them. I mean, we could just briefly touch on them. So we have the elevator sabotage. Which it looked like she was cutting the cord for the elevator. I couldn't quite tell what was going on there. Mm-hmm. There's the mail slot where she's it, just like in the automat. She tries to take it from there. There was, was that a scale was the third one? I couldn't quite tell no, what that was. It's like, it's weight. It's like, find how much you weigh. Oh, one of those, like, one of those things you would have at, like, uh, mm-hmm. like an arcade or something like that. Yeah, it just goes to show how much you stick your hand into strange holes <laughs> right. in day-to-day life, apparently. Yeah. The fourth one was the bathroom dr- hand dryer. This is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> it was great. I liked the slapstick and how it escalates further and further. Yeah. Like, I really laughed when he was holding onto the sink, and then the sink comes off, and then water starts spraying. <laughs> and his sleeve comes off, and, like, they pull the other beetles in from outside the bathroom as well. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. Was funny. And this yeah. is a point where there's a lot of fourth wall breaking, but I think this is the first we get of it, where Ami turns the screen and says, I am not what I see. Mm-hmm. She, she's a spy. There you go. <laughs> she's playing both sides. Welcome to the Spy Fi, guys. There you go. <laughs> 
And then we have the fifth attempt, which is in a recording studio. And this is where we get another mis- musical interlude for Gonna Lose That Girl. Mm-hmm. I like this one. So they do the whole song, and then when they're playing it back, they said, is, is one of you buzzing? It's like, no, I'm not buzzing. Are you buzzing? No. Play it back. They hear the buzzing, and the buzzing is someone song a perfect circle through the floor around Ringo. It's yeah. like Wiley Coyote. Yeah. <laughs> Clang and one of his uh, um, cultists almost get the ring, but then Ame like smacks Clang over the head with, I think, was it a symbol? I think so. Symbolism. Uh... Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she helps him, him out and gets him out of there. You definitely don't wah, wah, wah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Next we have, here you go, Zach, if you want spies. A bunch of people doing surveillance in very high places. Yes. And they're all signaling to each other that the Beatles are nearby. And then one of them goes over to Clang, who's having tea with what looks like a priest? Yeah, this is great. He's like, we do sacrifices, you do too. <laughs> I was like, it's supposed to be social commentary, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> and so Ringo and the Beatles are running around. They go to an Indian restaurant. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I feel the-, the need to mention this. Yes. The very helpful title card says... To figure out this problem, quote, they approach the nearest Oriental. Oh, yeah. You thought uh, the Orientals and License to Kill was bad? Oh. Here we go. And of course, this guy is played by yet another white guy. Except he talks to him and is like, is ring ring mean into you? He's like, no. I was like, yeah, you're British. You're English. (laughs) Yeah, we're all English here. They go and see the one guy who's supposed to be from India. Pretty sure he's also played by a white guy. Yep. A lot of sad stereotypes here. Like he's standing on his head, and yep. like when Ringo tries to talk to him, he you know gets startled. He's like, "Oh, I need to go lie down," and goes to lie down on a bed of nails. Mm-hmm. The uh, cultists are basically taking over the restaurant. They're like taking out all the different waiters and people, and yeah, they're doing they're them. doing stealth kills. <laughs> uh, did you notice that they're playing a Hard Day's Night on a sitar or whatever instrument that they're playing? I noticed that the Hard Day's Night music. Yeah. Two appears in parts of the movie, but this wasn't one of them. Oh, okay, yeah. It's, it's here. Yeah. Hard Days Nine um, also appears in a in a sort of orchestrated version during the cycling scene. Ah. And then um, you can't do that, which is also from Hard Days Night. Mm-hmm. It appears in the ski lift scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A version of it, so they they sort of refer back to you know the first movie. Weird weird versions from Hard Days. <laughs> takes on, on on music from a hard day's night throughout the movie i thought it worked really well at most of the time i thought it was good ame starts to tell paul who she's dancing with the history of the ring and at the same time clang and one of his cultists is that are at the table that the beatles are at as they're like trying to order food telling ringo the history of the ring and why they need it yeah a little redundant this movie is an hour and a half and it feels much longer than that <laughs> And there's some more side gags, like well, the glasses in the, the soup. glasses in the soup from when when they were taking out one of the cooks in the kitchen. I also like the clever wordplay where Paul is like, "Say no more," and she has, she says, "I can say no more." <laughs> they kind of repeat a little too much, but I thought it was funny. Yeah, and so we find out that someone sent Ringo the ring. Hold up, is that the whole joke of this movie? Is his name is Ringo and he has the ring? Uh, yeah, duh. Well, I mean, you must have wore a lot of rings back in the time, right? Am I right? We see that a little bit later of how many rings he's actually wearing. But yeah, wait, is that why his nickname is Ringo? That's not his birth name, right? No, Rich- Richard was his birth name. Okay. But, you know, the, the, the nickname Ringo definitely well precedes the movie. Yeah, he's okay. known as Ringo. Well, I meant because he wears rings all the time. I was wondering if that was why. Oh, oh you know, I don't know. Okay, don't know. just a thought. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Maybe so. it's like art imitating life, imitating art. <laughs> sure. It's like he wears rings because people uh, call him Send Ringo. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, so someone sent him the, in a fan letter. So as Clang is telling him all about this, and he's like, obviously doesn't want to be sacrificed. So he like pulls, just trying to pull the ring off, but it's stuck. The guy with a sword comes out. They're like, look out. He like cuts the table in half, and then they just run out the door. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so they run to a jeweler. And the jeweler is telling him, like, all the different types of materials that it must be. So he keeps trying to cut through the ring. Yeah. And, of course, every time he does, all his tools get broken. Yep. Including, like, a power saw. Yeah, there's a pretty good effect where the power saw, like, comes apart. It looked pretty good. And then they go to these scientists. <laughs> mad and, scientists. Yeah, mad scientists, also like James Bond. <laughs> and the scientist says, with that ring, I could... 
dare I say it, rule the world. Mm-hmm. Which at first I was like, well, how could you rule the world with a ring? But then if the ring is made out of like vibranium, <laughs> it apparently can't be cut, then that's a pretty useful thing to have. Yeah. So like they strap Ringo into this device that like makes him glow. It looks like he's going to regenerate. Yeah, I was going to say it looks like a classic Doctor Who special effect. <laughs> yeah. And like all of his other rings, and there are many, just start to fall off. It even pulls his pants down. Yes. At one point, one of the scientists uses the phrase streets ahead, which I appreciate. <laughs> Ame comes in and gets like all the scientists at gunpoint and they escape. Yeah. So the pattern is never going to end. <laughs> it just repeats for the whole movie. People try to get the ring off and then they run away. In the next scene. So when I watched this as a kid, I thought they were like serenading Ame. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then watching it again, that's not really the case. It seems more like they're practicing and she just happens to be there. Mm-hmm. So it looks like she's trying to get, like talk to them and like get them to stop at some point. <laughs> she's too polite, I guess. Yeah. But this, she reminded me of Mrs. Peel on this part because she has the hair and ah. she has like the outfit, yeah. sort of. I mean, I well, guess everybody year. had the hair. You're either a Jackie <laughs> or a Marilyn, and she's a Jackie. But that's how I felt. Yeah. So the music here was uh, "You've Got to Hide Your Love Away." Find out after they're done with their musical interlude. Which okay, so you thought the black and white of the hard day's night was not as good as the one here where they're just sitting on couches. No, I guess that's true. I guess they're about the same, but at least this one was in color. <laughs> so after they're done with their, you know, practice, Ame reveals that, that her sister was the chosen sacrifice, mm-hmm. but she sent the ring to Ringo and she has, pulls out this vial, which is supposed to help her get the ring off. And then we go to the intermission. Before the intermission, oh, yeah. I just want to say in this part, they use the phrase, quote, Filthy Eastern ways, not oh, once but like twice, five times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Five times? I thought it was. I only counted it was a twice. Lot. Oh my god, it was a lot. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay, but we can move on from that. Yes, the intermission is funny because yeah. it's like the Beatles clowning around in a super sped up. They crank the camera faster. Part two, which is like a cartoon or something. No, no, it's it's very quick. It's just like it's. I think it's supposed to be Ame's sister because she's like it's. There's a mother and uh, and the daughter. And like uh-huh. she's t- getting red paint off of the daughter. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And then and it's then like it's part it's like ten seconds, and then it says part three. <laughs> so I thought there was going to be a part four later, but maybe they <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah, or just a throwaway gag here. Mm-hmm. So Ame is you know going to give Ringo the shot that's going to make his finger shrink. They make all these jokes about you know is it is it addictive or I was like wow that's some interesting foreshadowing there. <laughs> They'd know a thing or two about drugs, as we'll talk about yeah. in my <laughs> And as they're trying to convince Ringo to, you know, get his finger shrunk, Clang and the re- and his cultists are trying to get into the flat, mm-hmm. and somehow Paul gets injected with the with the uh, syringe instead. Yeah, like right in the leg, and it causes <laughs> his whole body to shrink. I was I, not expecting that. I was not expecting that. I did either. not remember it. I did not remember a tiny naked Paul McCartney <laughs> in this movie. Uh, but the, the way they did that effect was pretty good. I it, know, it looked like, great, yeah. Anything like that. And I did like the joke where he has the newspaper and then he almost drops it. It all was funny. It me. reminded me of Willy Wonka, where uh, Mike mm-hmm. TV gets shrunk down. Cultists get inside. There's a big fight scene. Ringo gets some red paint thrown on him. Like, my wife, Carolyn, was wondering, like, how many different outfits of his did they ruin with with red paint? How many of those suits did they have? The classic yeah. Beatles suits. There's also a part where they apparently have, like, beer taps in their house because yeah. one of them sprays. The scientists burst in, and they get, they get the drop on the Beatles. So Ringo gets his hands up. He still has the red paint on him, and he, like, stamps his foot and sees this red spurt underneath him, and he thinks he crushed Paul. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty dark for a Beatles like, movie. Oh, did they did they <laughs> kill Paul? Is Paul dead? Mm. Is this where the rumors started? Actually, I don't know. Was or was it Abbey Road? It was a combination of things. <laughs> well, Jared, do you want to weigh in? I think you might know. I'm not really sure, but there was definitely something in the lyrics of "I am the walrus," right? <laughs> the walrus, Paul, and then uh, there was all sorts of things read into the album cover of Sergeant Pepper's, like he's uh-huh. it looked like he, Paul is standing on a grave and. <laughs> And that there's a hand over the top of his head on the album cover, and that this is some sort of um, symbol of death in some cultures. Um, so yeah, it was you know it, it sort of took on a kind of QAnon type. Wow. <laughs> okay. So wait, wait. Here's here's what I heard. What oh, I yeah. heard is if you play "I Am the Walrus" backwards, it sounds vaguely like 
Paul is dead, which I have never tried to do. Okay. But what is true is that on the cover of Abbey Road, Paul right. is wearing shoes. Oh, now yeah, that's not exactly like, concrete evidence. Why, yeah. Is that a road joke? Concrete? No, but you can <laughs> interpret it that way if you like. You kind of mentioned that, you know, when he shrinks down, he leaves all his clothes behind him. So there's just like, he's a force ghost and disappeared. There was some other movie where someone shrinks. Oh, no, it was Spies in Disguise, where Will Smith transforms and his clothes don't transform as well. And I always appreciate that. It's a little more realistic. But then, in contrast, when Paul comes back, he just pops into his right clothes. Right into his clothes. Immediately. <laughs> That was that was really funny. Yeah, the scientists are surprised by that, and like that startles them into leaving. The, the scientist's gun jams. He's like, "Oh, it's because it's British." If oh, I yeah, had there's a this Luger, whole you... like running joke on how British-made things are not good <laughs> by mm. those two scientists. Yeah, maybe it's like a cultural thing because I didn't find it that funny. Clang, Ami, and the uh, the cultists are like, I couldn't tell if this was a bus or was this a tube. I think it was supposed to be the tube. Okay, and then mm. we go to the Alps. Yeah, this was another really good music video. I like this one, yeah. I've never seen ski scooters like they were riding, basically. It was like yeah, it was just like was a single really ski with like a scooter on top of it. Yeah, with handlebars, and you just yeah, sit on it. And not motorized, you just sort of like ride it down. That would be really fun, I think. Yeah, so this part is the Beatles are like just messing around. But they, it's also like a legit music video because they're standing on a snow-capped hill, and they have mm-hmm. a piano. Mm-hmm. The only real observation here is that George is wearing what looks like something that a character in a Charles Dickens novel would wear. He has like oh, the, the hat cape. and like the cape, the hat too. That was yeah. the main thing. Apparently there's um, a story about the scenes where there was a piano on set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Paul was tinkering with yesterday um, oh. throughout the movie. And it appears on, not in the movie, but on, mm-hmm. on the album. It was driving the rest of the Beatles, as well as the director, completely insane. And they were perpetually irritated with Paul because he kept <laughs> tinkering on the piano with yesterday and, and sort of not paying attention to what he was supposed That's to be doing. That's funny. I did like, so in this, they had the shots where, like, I think they had uh, the ski pole was, like, right next to the camera and, like, the little parts that you could see of, of the ski pole. Like, they had it sort of framing each one of them and it would be turning. It's like, that's a cool visual. Yeah, I like that. Anyway, so Clang and the scientists both find the beetles. Mm-hmm. And the beetles are doing some curling. The scientists put a, b- a bomb in... What is it called? A stone? I forget what it's called. Yeah, I was trying to rack my memory about what it's called, <laughs> I but think... I don't remember. Wait, was, like were you puck? there? Yes, Maybe. I was there when we did okay, curling. Okay, so Zach and I know. have done curling uh, out on uh, the wharf in DC. They had like an ice rink set up, and it was and it wasn't regulation, but it was still fun. Have you ever done curling, Jared? I have not. No, no. It's interesting. It didn't seem like they were quite doing it right because they were sweeping it after it was moving. Yeah, <laughs> I think I you're supposed to sweep before, like as to sort of guide the path of it. Yeah, it's worth doing at least once. The sweeping, unless you were playing at an Olympic level, really doesn't make a difference. This is true, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they put the bomb in the thing, whatever it's called. They yeah. send it in. They're like, everybody scatter. Yeah, because they notice it's a bomb. Because they see it. It, looked, yeah. it had a fuse on it. <laughs> so I didn't see this, but according to IMDB trivia, when George yeah. Harrison says, it's a bomb in the thingy, he's yeah. like reaching behind him and he like grabs the one behind him in like the chest area. <laughs> and she doesn't look very happy about it. Oh, boy. Does George not know what it's called either? He calls it a thingy? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so the bomb, we think it's a dud, but then it goes off and it has a, like, creates a perfect hole. And then this swimmer comes up and he's asking for where the white clips of Dover are. <laughs> yeah, but this is like Bugs Bunny taking a wrong turn in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. But apparently that guy was like the road manager for the Beatles or something. Oh, like okay. Also according to IMDb trivia. Okay. Do you know where the white clips of Dover are, Zach? In Dover? <laughs> Oh, it's in the UK. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cultists are trying to chase them on skis and... Uh, James Bond, yeah. Ame directs Clang towards the wrong way, and he takes this really big ski jump mm-hmm. and manages to land it and is given a first place award. They even put him on the little pedestal thing with the one, two, and three, gave him an award. And the Beatles are hiding in, like, the marching band. <laughs> They look like Sergeant Pepper. This part was a little ah, funny. It, it yeah. goes on a little long, but I appreciated what they were going for. Later that night, Clang is like sitting in, I don't know, just on the side of a hill. And mm-hmm. he has like a Batman 66 penguin umbrella gun thing, which is a flamethrower in it. Yeah, that was great. And he like and he set man- the Beatles poles on fire as they ski by. Yeah. How did he know they were going to ski by? Apparently they're just skiing all the time when they're in the Alps. <laughs> Just go uh, skiing from one place to another constantly. I mean, if I were in the Alps, I'd be doing that, yeah. 
They go to see Scotland Yard. As they do so, the cultists call Scotland Yard. And they try to get Ringo like through the window with a balloon filled with red paint. Yes. And the inspector tells them they need protection. So he says, dial 999, which in the UK is their version of 911. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to give the Beatles protection. So we have our next musical interlude with I Need You. And they're like surrounded by the British military with some tanks and a lot of soldiers. Yeah, this is my favorite music video, I think. Because Mm -hmm. although it's not my favorite song, the laid back, easygoing song contrasted with like the tank slowly turning the turret (laughs) Mm -hmm. was really interesting and also very surreal. I also liked how apparently they're just over the hill from Stonehenge. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a part where it shows Stonehenge. Oh, I didn't see that. They're so. playing the song, and the bad guys are going to try to tunnel in and blow up. Oh, yes, that's right. Clang and the cultists are wearing, like, military uniforms as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she says she's tunneling under the Beatles. Clang calls her. She's like, here, listen, and, like, plays a, a recording of the Beatles. Of a different Beatles song. song. And then yeah. she winks at the camera. <laughs> she d- does a lot of winking, yeah. <laughs> I also liked there's a part where once they're like ready to go, a note is delivered to one of the cultists who's like in a uniform. And he takes it and he eats it. <laughs> Spy stuff. Yet another example. There's yeah. a lot of build up to this big battle. So Clang goes to plant the bomb in the tunnel and the, the bomb goes off. But of course, it's not directly under them because Ami was tricking Clang. Right. And the military starts firing back. The uh, cultists are firing off like these little discs that fire red paint, so they keep because they keep trying to get Ringo with the paint. So this this scene is very intense for the yeah. movie. It wasn't. It doesn't seem very fun. It seemed more like scary. Did you guys get that impression, or was it just me? It was definitely sort of left turn for me. I was like, oh, they're like when I saw that they were going to be protected. Like, okay, you know, they have you know military, and then I didn't expect them to actually be firing off tank rounds. Mm-hmm. We're firing cannons. Yeah. They do. So they're running around all the shooting. There's a part where the Beatles are running away from a tank and it reminded me of Prometheus when Charlie's Theron is running from the big circular thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we find out that Ame is in that tank. They get in the tank with her and then it drives through this like haystack. Haystack, yeah. I was like trying to think of what it would be called. Haystack mm-hmm. gets out the other side. They've hit the tank with a bazooka. But of course, the Beatles and Ame got out of the tank before they're in the haystack. Somehow. Yeah, very close call. Probably the closest call in the whole movie. Actually, that's not quite true. <laughs> so Ame goes says, and is there anywhere in England where you can have a place to think? And we cut to a well-known palace. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't call it Buckingham Palace for some reason. Or I mean, I'm sure the they joke. could, but it, 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 that's the joke. Yeah. Yeah. There's another funny part here. I feel comfortable saying a quote because I have a lot of favorite quotes. I assume you guys are good. Where they're like shitting on Ringo again. There's a part where someone says, you know, me and Paul haven't seen you make any use of that finger. You can cut it off. Or some variation of that. So he's playing poker with George and Ringo and John are trying to convince him to cut his finger off and get get the uh, ring off. He's like, we're in danger too. You have to worry about our needs. (laughs) And they're like... See if you can still use your drumsticks with, you know, one finger missing. Okay, so Jar, I have a question for you. I know that the fans think Ringo Starr is, like, the butt of the, a lot of jokes. That, like, the rest of them, like, shit on him. And they do in this movie. Was it true in, like, real life? Well, just what you were talking about there reminded me that there's a famous interview with John Lennon sometime in the 80s, I think, where mm-hmm. um, the interviewer asks him, you know, do you think the Ringo Starr was the best... Um, drummer in the world mm-hmm. um, and John Lennon answers Ringo Starr wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles oh. I thought that was a myth I'd heard that story before but I didn't think he really said it I think he did if, I, if I'm not mistaken it was a, an interview with Playboy um, mm-hmm. that, 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 I, I could be mistaken on that is that the same interview where he says we're bigger than Jesus no, I, I'm, I mean, we I'm wouldn't not... have been in the '80s. It would have been like when they actually were. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that was earlier. That was in definitely while they were still touring live. Because, right. You know, they right. Protesting off their live shows. Uh, did I ever tell you, Christian, that I think that should have been an achievement of Beatles rock band? Two hundred <laughs> gamer score, bigger than Jesus. Uh, that would have been funny. Yeah. <laughs> Just talking about Ringo, like uh, my wife was even saying, like I don't see why everyone makes fun of Ringo. He seems to be the most charismatic. It's like, well, the movie's centered around him, so that he's getting the most focus here. Like George or even like John don't even get like barely any focus here. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's because they had a lot of focus outside of the movie. Ah, uh, true, true. So maybe Ringo was like, "All right, you guys, you guys get all the attention elsewhere. I want the spotlight." Is this pre or post Octopus's Garden? 
Pray. Okay. Definitely pray, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought really that um, on, on viewing the, the movie again, that George really gets short shrift. I mean, he, there's really very little George. And an interesting thing musically about Health was that I Need You, right, the, mm -hmm. that song, mm -hmm. um, was only the second time that George had a um, authorship of a song on a, on a, on a Beatles mm -hmm. album. And it was, it was their fifth album. So. Oh, wow. And he had decided at that point that you know he'd got he'd had he got to sing on songs before there were Lennon McCartney compositions, but he he basically made a decision that if he was going to sing, it was going to be one of his compositions, mm. and, and thereafter he he really you know he had much more sort of input um, musically into into the band. But but so you know I think it was a little bit of a turning point for George. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of interesting to see that he. You know, the only scene I can really remember where where the spotlight is on George is when he's hanging off the top of the car. Um, yeah, they actually. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> then we have the inspector coming in, bringing bringing in the tea with like five different tea bags all connected to each other. Mm -hmm. Is that a real thing you do with tea? I'm not a tea drinker, so I don't know if that's how you would do that if you're making five pots of tea or tea for five. I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I started drinking tea, but I don't know anything about it. Okay. Anyways, so. is that a sight gag? Like, am I amused by that? Or is that actually how they do tea? <laughs> maybe it's a sight gag. And maybe it's like some kind of British thing where they're like, oh, the people in Buckingham Palace put way too much tea stuff into their tea. <laughs> or whatever. Anyways, so as this is happening, the mad scientist and his assistant are disguised as guards. I actually thought it was the cultists. Yeah. Because he's wearing the full-on beef eater garb with the gas mask so you can't mm -hmm. see his face mm -hmm. and he drills a hole through the wall that comes out through one of the paintings put a hose through the wall the beetles see it and they like reroute it around a bunch of things including like around the neck of a statue and then outside mm. where they're doing some drill the other guards are doing some drills and so they're trying to gas the beetles but of course it goes outside and then the guards outside fall down yeah, I, I think this is from the same Department of Humor as, like, Beefeater guards doing things that Beefeater guards aren't supposed to do is hilarious, like Fall Over, yeah. for example. What's, what's the other movie that we had Beefeaters in? I try to remember. Was it Patriot Games? Oh, yeah, it was Patriot Games, yes. Which, in a it, very different context and not funny. Yeah, they didn't fall over. They made other people fall over. As they're doing this, the scientists end up getting the drop on the Beatles, but they fumble it somehow. A, a series of slapstick things. One quick thing okay, about the Beatles right. yeah. guards falling over is his quote where they all the, all the guards fall over and one of the Beatles says, must be their tea break, which I thought was funny. <laughs> it's like break and they all just collapse. Okay. It amused me. And so the scientists set up this laser device, which mm -hmm. they fire at the Beatles and then it slows them down. Like, so they're moving in slow motion. Yeah, it reminded me of Inception. <laughs> ah, yeah. But then it blows a fuse in the palace and it cuts to a well-known power... Was it power power warehouse or something like that? Power plant. Power plant. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Which I actually didn't know where it was. <laughs> does it actually say very well known? I don't. Remember yeah, it does. Is it going with the same joke as a very a, a well known palace? Yeah. Oh, okay. The joke must be it's not very well known because no one knows about power plants until. <laughs> okay. Fail. All right. Anyway, so mm -hmm. they call they call us. Oh, they put the palace is blown a fuse and they replace it. But by that time, the Beatles have gotten away. When the fuse blew, the Beatles got out of the you know force field. But mm -hmm. then the inspector and the other guards get caught in the force field. Yeah, so it's like Wile E. Coyote all over yeah. again. So the Beatles run to a bunch of bagpipers playing Scotland the Brave, the only bagpipe song anybody <laughs> knows. Or if they're playing for a funeral, they're playing Amazing Grace. <laughs> yeah, that too. It turns out the cultists are there, so the Beatles skedaddle and they run into a pub bagpipes are firing going keeping with that red paint stuff there's so yeah, like i, I like that the you know the bagpipes had you know a gadget in them <laughs> yeah also the red paint's kind of scary it's almost yeah. scarier than just people trying to kill them <laughs> they go to a pub and they wait for this all to blow over <laughs> ame sees them and she's trying to warn them to get out but they don't but paul I, actually mm. i like this bit because i think i think it was john who was like who notices her I think it might have been George, because the quote is, I'm always getting winked at these days. It used to be you, Paul. <laughs> yeah. But she's trying to warn them that apparently Ringo is having trouble lifting up his beer. Here, you try it. I think it's George pulls the beer and pulls it up, but it's like on a hinge. So it activates a trap door that's right underneath Ringo. Just in case Ringo happened to go by instead of that very <laughs> spot. Whatever. Keep going. Movie's ridiculous. Uh huh. And the bartender pops up, and of course, it happens to be the the head priest Clang. 
And he unleashes a tiger on poor Ringo. <laughs> uh, Ame gets in down into the cellar, into the same tube that, that the tiger comes out and tells him that the tiger can only be soothed by singing Beethoven's Nine. Which, of course, you... reminds me of Get Smart. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. And did and... you guys know that the Ode to Joy had words? I did not. I did not either. But apparently everybody in this movie not only knows that there are words, but knows the words and sings them together, which yeah. I, I actually like this part. Yeah. Beatles ran off when mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, Ringo got put in, down the trap door. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if they were running to get help or running away because they didn't want to get captured. <laughs> either way. <laughs> anyway, so they run you know, to... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I think it was during one of the ski scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a story about Paul and George. Um, you know, they're, they're scattered at one point mm-hmm. and Paul and George run off. And apparently in, in reality, they just kept running, kept running and found somewhere where they could like smoke some pot. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering that this might've been a recurring thing throughout uh, the movie. <laughs> yeah, just run out of the scene as quickly yeah. as you can. Yeah. And so he starts singing it. Everyone in the bar starts singing it. Everyone outside the bar starts singing it. They even cut to a, a football match. See, everybody in England knows the words. Um, and I noticed that one of the teams playing was Tottenham Hotspur, which is a one of my friend, good friends, Matthew, is a fan of them. So shout out to Matthew and, and the and the Spurs. Mm-hmm. They recover Ringo, and then they're off to the airport where they're in disguise. <laughs> I like this part. Well, it's interesting because Lennon has those circular glasses and which, a beard. Which makes him look like he will in the future, yeah. Yeah, and Ringo has like the little goatee kind of beard which also he wore in the future. So that was a little strange. <laughs> but not only are they in the skies there, but so are the cultists and so are the scientists. Mm-hmm. Or at least the cultists. I don't remember if I saw the scientists. It would have been Probably. a great joke. I don't want to rewrite the movie. It would yeah. have been a great joke if they were all on the plane in disguise <laughs> and didn't recognize each other. It would be funny. Call me yeah, Hollywood. So, so they all go to the Bahamas. The Beatles get off a Pan Am flight, which... You know, nice, nice touch there. Well, I mean, obviously this was made in the 60s, but, you know, I always talk about when we see airlines that don't exist anymore, like TWA or Pan Am. But they didn't use BUAC. What's up with that? Would have been yeah, a, good a good callback. Question. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the inspector arrives and he gets off the tiny plane and they still bring up the giant stairs to him. So he has to get up the giant stairs and then come down the giant stairs. Yeah, there's a bunch of airplane style jokes here. Another one is the guy who's like, has the oh. pylons to bring the plane in, stops yeah. and starts playing table tennis with it. <laughs> I like that. Would've, that would have faded in an airplane or the naked gun. It was like right out of it. And we get another musical interlude for the song Another Girl. And on the beach, the Beatles are getting chased by cultists. They get chased into a temple, which we find out has been transported there entirely from the east. Just great. for Ringo. <laughs> yeah. This was actually pretty intense. She's like, pulls open a like a hatch and just just like get in there <laughs> then i'm going to close it up behind you yeah. is like something out of indiana jones especially when one of them is like i can't swim and she's like get in there anyway <laughs> you know they pop up inside a swimming pool it reminded me of in indiana jones and the last crusade where you know they go into the sewerways and they pop up in like the middle of a cafe in venice you never know where you'll end up in these kinds of things yeah and so they go, like, so they escape and they take a bike ride. And then they start, I don't know, I didn't understand what was going on here. So they took, like, start riding in a circle and they decide to go back to the temple. Don't worry about it. Or they, maybe they were riding in a circle and need to figure out where to go to their hotel or, or whatever. Well, no, they, they explicitly say that they, they, like, let's go back then. Let's go back and get them. And oh, I, so when I they said, I, like, I had to count, it was like one, two, three, four. They're not missing any of them. I thought it was like, did one of them get captured and they need to go back for him? No, they just decided to go back for some reason. Yeah, who knows how their weed-addled brains were functioning. <laughs> the cultists are, they hang one of them, the cultists, from the Goodyear blimp with like these, these fake feet covered mm-hmm. in red paint. And they make all these footprints as he's hanging from the blimp uh, to, yeah. you know, bait the Beatles. And Which the Beatles, totally works. Yeah, it works and gets the inspector too. But it doesn't just work. I have something to say about this. Okay. All right. Just when we thought the racism had hit its peak, we're not no. done. Because Paul McCartney, when he finds the feet, do you remember this? Uh-huh. He does like a Native American impression. He's like, big feet, very dangerous. Oh, jeez. I and forgot. Then they can say like, how? Uh, and it like how Native Americans say how in the movies. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. So, Moving safely along. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the footprints lead to a warehouse, mm-hmm. and the Beatles get trapped inside this cage. George okay. is the only one who doesn't get trapped in there, and mm-hmm. he like runs off. 
again, unclear if to get help or to escape. Right. John, Paul, and Ringo are in the cage. The trap door activates underneath Ringo. Again, Ringo happens to be standing there. <laughs> so many trap doors. And the scientists grab Ringo and put him in a car trunk and are yes. about to drive away when George jumps into the, on the back of the truck. And this is what that mentioned, scene we mentioned earlier. Yeah, the George so Harrison action hero scene. Yeah, so they're trying to like get him off the car, but they're unsuccessful. He's still hanging on. They like crash into a tree, mm. and like they're trying to get this car started again. And as they're doing so, George is taking off all the uh, the lug nuts from one of the wheels. Yeah, this scene goes on way too long. <laughs> uh, I like though when they pop up in the trunk, and Ringo is just there saying hello. <laughs> yeah, in like a George blanket. Yes. <laughs> So he takes the wheel off, then the car drives away, crashes, and then they get out of the car and run away. Yeah, like, there's no reason like, for him to sit, sit in the truck as they drive away, and then once they crash again, I don't know. I guess it's to stall until the superintendent shows up, which he does, <laughs> yeah. traps the bad guys, off you go, and then this is when we hear Hard Day's Night music. Oh, is it? oh yeah, that other time. It's like around here. Oh, okay. That's when I recognized it. Yeah. The inspector has a new plan, which I like this. Ringo is walking around like some palm trees, and they knock him out. I think with ga- I think with with gas or something. Yeah, and, and like they grab him, but they pull off a Mission Impossible style mask and find out it's not Ringo; it's actually Paul. Yeah, they keep repeating this a couple times. Yeah, they have another one where it's at a baseball game, and I think this one was J- actually John instead of Ringo. Mm-hmm. But then the scientists come, and we oh, we don't find out the scientists later, but like they come grab. Someone gets Ringo at gunpoint. They try to pull on his nose. Uh, and yeah. you know, it's actually him. So they get mm-hmm. him and they t- bring him onto a boat. And he's all tied up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to do surgery. And we're finally going to get this stupid ring. The movie <laughs> can end. But then the sand gets in their generator. It gets everywhere. Yeah, they're like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I knew you were going to like that. So Ami tries to rescue Ringo. Yes. But she gets caught by the scientists. Okay. And she, like, makes a trade with them for, like, whatever the essence of mm-hmm. orchid or something. Rare orchid. Which, is that the same thing that oh, she was using to shrink? Yeah. Yes, I believe so. And okay. they were like, we can rule the world with this instead. <laughs> and so they're distracted and they jump off the boat and get caught by divers. Yes. Divers attack. It's like Thunderball spy stuff. <laughs> they capture Ringo and Ame. They have mm-hmm. Ringo tied up on the beach. He's all ready to be sacrificed. He's painted red. All uh, ready to go. Yes. He managed to actually get out of the, the rope. And as he's doing so, the ring just falls off his finger. Clang mm-hmm. is doing the ceremony. so distracted, doesn't notice. So Ringo comes up, puts the ring on Clang. The other Beatles come. And Cl- Scotland Yard comes, fights with the cultists. This is all while the song Help is playing again. Yeah, so it's like this goofy big battle scene. Yeah. It's like the end of Casino Royale. Exactly, where you have a bunch yes. of yeah, you were about to say that. It's like a bunch of different factions all fighting each other. The cults, the scientists, the divers, who I guess were also part of the cult. And then yeah. the Barbados policemen, who we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah. But they did a joke with them where there's only five oh. of them, and they keep moving them around, kind of like the Soviets yeah. used to do with their Air Force back in the day. <laughs> and the only other comment I have about the Barbados cops is their uniforms look really snazzy. Okay. Like, like yeah. the white helmets and yeah, they look really good. As is happening, there's a, the sort of running gags of like, all right, you know, Ami is about to sacrifice Clang, but the ring mm-hmm. comes off of him. So Clang gives the ring to the scientist. Scientist yes. throws in the sand, and then one of Clang, the other cultists gets the ring. And then I like this. There's a the swimmer comes back. He swims up onto the beach. There's no audio, but they're just shaking their heads like, this is not the cliffs of Dover. Yeah, they shake their heads and they like point behind him. He's like, oh, he gets back in the water. Also, the priest comes back. Mm-hmm. The priest oh, from before. Right. He just shows up there. That. I didn't even notice that. Wow. And then finally, they dedicate the movie to Elias Howe, the man who invented, I think it was a sewing the machine. The sewing machine. And they're like, as they're saying this, they like have like, there's like a statue of a sewing machine on the screen. And then the credits are really trippy yeah. and don't sound at all like the Beatles. Yeah. And I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> It's a very weird note to end on. Yeah. All right. So should we go through any spy fact versus fiction we have? The cult, which was in the movie, was based on the thuggy cult, which mm-hmm. was featured in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, but is actually also a, a real cult in India. That's also where the R word thug comes from. 
Really? Yeah. I I guess that makes sense. Just to tie it a bit more into the spies, we have, there's a few connections between Bond and the Beatles. Okay. First, in the movie Goldfinger, he makes a reference to something being as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Was that Bond who says that? Yes. Well, he's an old fogey. (laughs) And then, of course, Paul McCartney and his other band, Wings, did the theme song for Live and Let Die. Right. I'll throw in there the Shirley Bassey, who sang the theme to Goldfinger, um, also uh, was very popular in Britain for doing a cover of the George Harrison song, Something. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Interesting. All right. Okay. And then, of course, Ringo Starr, star of this movie, married a Bond girl. He married Barbara Bach, who played Anya Amasova in The Spy Who Loved Me. And finally... In the movie Quantum of Solace, we meet Agent Fields, and we never find out. Like she and like Bond keeps asking, "Is that your first name or your last name?" She says, "Just Fe- it's just Fields." We don't find out until the credits that her name is Strawberry Fields. Mm-hmm. One other connection is that the company that distributed this, United Artists, was also at the same time distributing the Bond movie. Oh, that maybe could how they could do some of the music interludes and such. Yeah. All right. So, what do you have, Zach? Roy Kinnear, who played Algernon, the assistant, mm-hmm. looked familiar to me, so I looked yeah, him up. Who is he? He was Mr. Salt in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's right. I was like, he looks like someone from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, and the superintendent, who I believe his actor name was Peter Keller, also looked familiar to me. He was a number two in The Prisoner. Oh, I, thought- I don't know if he was in one of the ones we watched. Okay. I think yeah. he was. So the original title for the movie was Eight Arms to Hold You which is a terrible name. I don't know why they thought of that. Because of all the arms of this statue, probably. And also eight arms of the Beatles, because there's four uh-huh. of them. True, true, true. Anyway, the ski scenes were shot at Obertarn in Austria. Oh, because okay. the film, they didn't want to film it anywhere where British tourists might recognize them and uh, cause a fuss. Uh-huh. Uh, and the band gave an, a concert at the hotel where they stayed to celebrate the director's assistant's birthday. It was their only concert on stage in Austria. Again, this is all according to Wikipedia. Okay. The film was made in, quote, a haze of marijuana. (laughs) John Lennon said, we were smoking marijuana for breakfast during that period. Ringo says, a hell of a lot of pot was being smoked while we were making the film. It was great. That helped make it a lot of fun. And then I was going to mention the story about them running during the curling scene, but (laughs) Jer already has that covered. Uh, Jer, do you have anything, any other stories that you want to share about that you know about the making of this film? Um well, you mentioned Roy Kinnear earlier on, and he was um, also appeared in a, a franchise that was very popular in Britain, but I, I doubt it crossed over here. Okay. Called the Carry On movies. Have you guys ever heard I've of those? I've heard movies? of them, but I've never actually seen any of them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's of the same era, and it's it has the same problems in terms of how it treats like race and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. um, um, and it's also like. There are these running gags uh, that are like very sexual in- innuendo, which, mm-hmm. which is very sort of risque at the time. And, mm-hmm. and Roy Kinnear appears in those movies, and and there, there's a slapstick element to those movies that's very that, that's very similar here. Um, and then you know, I mean, rewatching Help really reminded me. Parts of it reminded me of Monty Python. You know, like that scene. I can see that. Earlier, Zach, where they cranked up the film speed, and one, one <laughs> oh, of them yeah, yeah. another one up and down like they're on a string and. Um, and the, the, as you mentioned earlier as well, the teeth cutting the lawn, the mechanical teeth cutting, you know, it's very sort right. of Python-esque. And, and of course, there was a lot of back and forth between um, the Beatles and, and Mon- the Monty Python crew, like they saw the Beatles as being kind of influential. And then George Harrison ended up um, funding the life of Brian. And, oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, so there was, uh, you know, lots of connections. So it's, it's, you know, it's very much of the era of British sort of slapstick slash surreal you know comedy, comedy franchises yeah it wasn't even oh. that surreal compared to other Beatles movies <laughs> I looked up Roy Kinnear because I noticed the similarity in names he's the father of actor Roy, Rory Kinnear who is actually in Daniel Craig Bond films he is, plays uh, Bill Tanner who's like one of the MI6 office people alright so shall we go into our favorite quotes yeah you guys go first because I've already done a few of mine and I have plenty more <laughs> All right, so I got one from Ringo. Well, yeah, Ringo has a lot of good lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. The fire brigade once got my head out of some railings. I used to leave it there when I wasn't using it for school. You can see a lot of the world from railings. It's so strange. And also, I just like, it's not necessarily a quote, but it's one of the captions on screen. 
Everyone mm-hmm. laughs at Ringo's sudden apprehension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Jer, do you have any favorite quotes from here? None that really spring to mind, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> okay. And then I have a couple. I like the part where Clang says, take this hastily scribbled note hastily. <laughs> it was so stupid, I couldn't help but laugh. And then oh, yeah. when he's about to blow it, the Beatles puts in a, like a, a crate, and it says on the crate, one millionth of all high explosives dropped in the Second World War. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed wow. to mean. Is that a lot or a little bit? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so now it is time for our ratings on a scale of one to 10 martinis, one being a horrible spy movie and 10 being the best spy movie ever. How would we rate help? All right, Jer, as our guest, would you like to go first? Not having the expertise in the spy genre that you have, I I, I would probably give it a, I don't know, a six. I mean, I think on rewatching the movie, the thing that really struck me being kind of a more music guy than a movie guy mm-hmm. was how incongruous the songs were, you know, it's like, Mm, it was so clear that the songs were written at the same time as the movie, but they they really didn't like, you know, add to the narrative of the movie or I found it kind of jarring, like when you're going to lose that girl, you know, you know, suddenly comes in and what a great song, but it really has like nothing (laughs) (laughs) magically to do with what's going on, you know? I would disagree only because you've got to hide your love away when they're hiding. That was the one thing where I would say, yeah, that would be like it actually connected to what they were doing. But a lot, yeah, like you're right. You're right. I would say like a lot of the other ones felt like they were sort of, yeah, they were very disconnected from what was actually going on. And I think even that end. one was probably unintentional. <laughs> but yeah, you think they would have had a song that's like banned on the run, not that mm-hmm. one specifically. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> On top of that, the songs are all actually very sincere about very, um, you know, serious things. Help is purportedly about, you know, a cry for help because of John Lennon's struggles with their newfound fame. And then uh, I Need You is like a real plaintive love song about the George Harrison writes to Patty Boyd, his then girlfriend. And then, you know, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away is, is thought to be, although... Lennon never, I don't think, said this, but about the fact that he had to hide his marriage to Cynthia Lennon, where, you know, he was mm. sort of instructed to because, you know, it, you know, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't gel with their, with their fan base at the time. Yeah, that's what Brian Epstein told him. He's like, yeah. Beatles don't have girlfriends because they were like a boy band. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Zach, you're, you're, I, I looked it up and you're absolutely right about the, the Ringo not being the best. Um, oh, really? Oh, you yeah, didn't yeah. actually say that? Misattributed, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. You didn't say the words were bigger than Jesus. He like says some kind of paraphrase of that, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, I can go next. So uh, it's really hard to rate this movie because the racism stuff made me feel like I'm not supposed to like it. Mm-hmm. And the Beatles are really great to hang out with, but there's like no story. And the movie <laughs> felt really, really, really long. And I, I like the songs. I like the tone. But when it was over, I'm like, thank God it's over because the movie's so long. Mm-hmm. And it's only an hour and a half. I know. And there's barely any spy stuff. So I think I'm just going to punt, as we say in America. All I'm going right. to give it a five out of ten martinis. All right. Interesting. Interesting. I, like you, I, I didn't know exactly how to rate it. Because like you said, there's next to no spy stuff in this. There, It is very much of the time, though. And having seen the variety of stuff that we have in our, you know, our whole spice swinging 60s spy summer series, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely felt of the time and definitely inspired by a lot of the things that we saw, including, you know, starring some of those other people as well. Yeah. Like you said, when, whenever the Beatles were on screen and there, it was fun to be with them, but yeah, also, yeah, the racist stuff was not great in there. Um, I'm going to rate it just a little bit lower than you. I would rate it a four. What it really want, makes you want to do is listen to other more Beatles music or watch other Beatles movies, not necessarily go back to this one. Yeah, I've been told if you want to see the Beatles in a movie, just watch A Hard Day's Night. Hmm. It's a much better movie. It doesn't have any of the racism stuff. It is in black and white, but we don't care about that. Yeah. Jared, do you have any final things you want to say? Anything you want to plug? Um, no, I have nothing I want to plug, no. Um... <laughs> In terms of um, just the music, like I think, like I said earlier, like what's what's interesting about it is that it, it's sort of a transition and it kind of telegraphs ahead some stuff. Like as far as I'm aware, the the sitar in the um, soundtrack was really the first mm-hmm. appearance of sitar in in any Beatles related stuff, and 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 you know later on George Harrison really embraced Indian music, and obviously you know by the time of Sgt. Pepper's that was sort of 
he was writing entire songs like Within You, Without You that were based on sort of Indian instrumentals. So, you know, I, th I think it really marks like this sort of inflection point where they move from, you know, sort of bubblegum pop mm -hmm. to, to, to sort of psychedelic, their sort of psychedelic phase. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a big turning point for them, in other words. Mm -hmm. I've also yeah. heard that. We would like to thank you for joining us. And also, just thank you for the amazing theme song because I really like our uh, that theme song that we, you did for us. Oh, yeah, thank great. you. I have to give credit to, to uh, uh, Big Man Joe who actually did the mm -hmm. string part, which is actually, I think, what makes it. Um, <laughs> well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Jer, for guest starring. We will see you in two weeks. That's two weeks, not next week, two weeks <laughs> for our next episode. Until then, you can find us on social media at the spy fi guys under facebook twitter and instagram so thanks again i'm zach and i'm christian and we are the spy fi guys signing off thank you for listening if you enjoyed our podcast please be sure to rate and review us on itunes the theme music is by jer fitzgerald and big man joe media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended this is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.